believe that, um, in my own opinion, that's probably the most theologically sound song that I've heard in a long, long time. I don't think that you ought to necessarily build your theology on songs because they can lead you astray sometimes, but that is theologically sound. And I think it's a word for us in this season that we are in the kingdom of God. Amen. I told you a few weeks ago at the beginning of um, these messages that I've been preaching that there is a reformation that is taking place in the body of Christ. And that reform must take place that we leave the old and grab hold of the new. Amen. We've got to let go of the old covenant. The old covenant's done what it needs to do. Amen. Uh, whenever you're building, uh, you know, I've done a little bit of building, and whenever you're building, uh, you, you uh, sometimes have to bring in cranes and bring in things to hang these beams and all of that. And it's necessary to get done what you want to do. But how many know it would look strange for us coming up in here some 15 years later and a crane setting up in here? Amen? But the finished work is done, and when it's done, it's completed. And when Jesus came, he said, it is finished. And so there was a change. There was a transfer. John said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. Until now speaks of a shift that is taking place. It is leaving the old and coming into the new. It is a picture of water baptism where we leave the old and we come to the new. We leave the old covenant and we come into the new covenant. And so it is a wonderful thing and we have to embrace this in this season so that we can understand who we are in Christ Jesus because the church has a mission. I said the church has a mission. We have something that must be accomplished in this season. And so uh, I believe that God wants us to, to learn that today. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Well, let me say uh, thank you to Pastor Jordan and, and Brother Gary for covering the last couple of weeks. And um, we appreciate them. And, uh, and so I was just... Uh, taking a few days off and being lazy. And uh, it's good to be back here today. I want to say uh, happy birthday to my baby girl. and <laughs> Renee's baby girl. She turned 18 on us today. <laughs> yeah, it ain't right. But... Amen. But uh, we're glad and so thankful and blessed to have our children. Amen. Before I get started this morning, I want to, to speak to you uh, about something I'm sure that, that all of you are aware of, and that is uh, uh, what they are uh, pushing through in our government called the Equality Act. It's, it's just like everything else. They want to give it a cute name. 
You know, we don't want to call it murder, so we call it abortion. And this Equality Act is the same thing. It isn't equality for nothing. I told you, uh, even I believe back in October, November, that they're coming for us. And uh, this is just another piece of that. They're coming for the church. They're coming for the church. And, and I, I, the Lord has stirred something in my spirit this week, and I didn't feel like I had the strength to, to bring it today, but you better get ready next week. But there, 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 it is time for the church. You, we've got to get it right. We got to step up to the plate and quit this sissy stuff. We got to become the church. Amen. I know we can get many amens, but that's all right. We've got to become the church. This Equality Act will destroy the moral fabric of America even worse than it is, and it will destroy the church. And so what I want you to do, if you haven't done it, instead of listening to the news and all of that, go and check it out, and you'll find out that all it is doing is pushing a homosexual agenda and forcing it upon our nation where they'll teach your three-year-olds in daycare and ask them if they want to be the little girl if he wants to be a little boy. And if he says, she says, yes, I think I want to be a boy, you as a parent don't have no authority. They take it from you. They've already done it in Cincinnati in one occasion. Now how can a three or four year old child determine such a thing? I'm telling you that we have a, a cover over this nation that is a demonic force from hell that is trying to destroy this nation. And the only thing that can save it is a living church. Amen. One of the senators, I, don't, I, I didn't bring my phone with me, Nadler, is that his name? Said, I don't care what God wants. God doesn't, it doesn't matter what God wants here in America. That's what we're dealing with. Amen? I hate to start off on such a somber note, but it's the reality of where we are. And I'm saying to you today that it, we, if we, the church, do not stand up, and I'm going to talk about it next week, and I'm going to talk about it strong, so bring your big, big britches. Amen? But we've got to stand up, and we've got to be the church that God has called us to be. And we'll never do that until we solve this issue that we've been talking about, and that is understanding who we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. There is this, there is this uh, a generation, my generation and generations after me that have been so misled by, by well-meaning people, but thought that the only way they could get people saved is to beat the hell out of them. Amen. 
and just beat you to death with the gospel and beat you to death with the law and, and try to beat you into alignment. But the reality of it is, is that was the law, but now we're under a new covenant, a better covenant. Amen? And that is that of grace. And so I want to take a few minutes here today as the Lord will allow and strength will sustain us to share with you a few things. In Leviticus chapter 21, as you recall, um, we look there at the law and what it disqualified us. I want to, uh, I'm going to finish up what I'm going to talk to you about, but I assure you I will not um, go over all of these, but I will assure you that everything that is in Leviticus 21 that disqualified us to be kings and priests unto God, Jesus comes and heals it in the New Testament. One of the things that it talks about is a crooked nose or a bent face. And uh, I, I believe, and I'll not take time uh, because I don't feel like I can do adequate uh, without doing uh, a long time, but I believe that uh, I can show you in Scripture that that is talking about uh, racism and how that the Syrophoenician woman came to Jesus and Jesus uh, healed her. And I believe that that uh, scripture there, when you study it out, it is talking about a spirit of racism and Jesus comes and heals that. And he says that there's neither uh, Hebrew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, but we've been all brought nigh through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, so I can, if you want to talk about that, I'll be glad to share some of that with you later. But I want to talk here this morning, if you give me those scriptures in Leviticus chapter 21. The Bible says it like this. And the Lord said to Moses, speak to the priest and the sons of Aaron and uh, say to them, none shall defile himself uh, from the dead among his people except for uh, relatives who are nearest to him his mother and his father and his son and his daughter and his brother and also his virgin sister who is near him and has, uh, has no husband uh, for her he may defile himself otherwise he shall not defile himself being a chief man among his people to profane himself they shall not uh, make any bald place on their heads, nor shall they shave the edges of their beard, nor make any cuttings of their flesh. How many is already disqualified? Go ahead. Is it stuck? They shall be holy to their God and not profane the name of the Lord God. For they offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire and the bread of their God. Therefore, they shall be holy. And they shall uh, not take a wife who is a harlot or defiled woman, nor shall they uh, take a woman divorced from her husband, for the priest is holy to God. So you see the list just keeps on going here. And uh, I want to talk to you this morning uh, about, um, out of Matthew chapter 12, he talks about them having a broken hand, right? If you have a broken hand, then you are not able to, or qualified to be a priest any longer. And so uh, in Matthew chapter 19, 
And uh, let's start, I guess, verse 9. Now when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand, and they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they might accuse him. And then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep? And if it falls into the pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out. Now of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath day. And then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. Amen. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him and how they might destroy him. Now, I think that'll be, be suffice for what we want to look at here this morning. In the old covenant under the law, if you had a broken hand or a withered hand, then you was, according to the law, disqualified to be able to be a priest. Um, but we look and we see that in the New Testament, Jesus comes and heals the man of a withered hand. Now, whenever we look at this withered hand, I want to look at it for a moment today as the fivefold ministry. That we can see that the hand is representation, the, uh, the apostle is the thumb that brings balance to the hand, he covers the rest of the ministry. The uh, pointer finger is the prophet, the prophetic ministry uh, that points to uh, the future. The middle finger is the longest that extends. It's the evangelist that reaches the furthest. The pastor is the ring finger that marries us to Christ. And then we have the pinky finger, which is the teacher that is uh, small, but it covers, it can touch all of the other uh, ministries. And so these ministries here bring balance and they bring gifting. And we need these five-fold ministry today. Amen. We need the apostle to cover us for guidance and direction and safety. We need the prophetic voices that don't just stand up and say, declare, thus saith the word of the Lord, which they, we need, but is also to bring forth a prophetic proclamation. And, and some people say, well... You know, Pastor, why don't we have prophetic words or, or tongues and interpretation and, and so forth? And, and often I tell people I prophesy every Sunday. My, my, the, the gifting that God has given me is a prophetic edge, and, it, and I preach prophetic word to this congregation every Sunday. And so it isn't that that is not needed as much, but it is that we declare prophetically corporately over this body each and every week the word of the lord amen and so then we need the evangelist to go out and preach the gospel and to give the call we need we need the pastors that have a shepherd's heart that will take pride in taking care of the flock we need teachers that will go and take and go beyond where uh, we are just in a corporate setting, but teach and to train and to lead and to guide and direct new converts in the ways of the Lord. And so we see that these are what uh, is needed in the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 
what is it, Ephesians uh, chapter um, 8, he tells us there that, um, that there is, that he gives us these fivefold ministry for the perfecting of the saints to do the work of ministry, right? He gives us the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, teacher, and evangelist so that there is a perfecting of the saints to do the work of ministry. And so what these gifts are for is if these ministries aren't working toward perfecting the saints, then they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And so we see that here that the fivefold is a withered hand. And most commonly, whenever we look at uh, something that is withered or something that is, is in this case, it is because when a hand is not operating or a, a body part is not functioning properly and withered, it is primarily because there is not the blood flow to it that is needed. It can be born that way. It can be because of an accident or an injury or some kind of illness. But the blood flow stops going there, and as a result of that, it becomes withered. And when the fivefold ministry operates without allowing the blood of the cross to flow through it, then it becomes withered. It becomes dysfunctional. It becomes something that is not operating the way that God intended for it to operate. And I believe that this is where we are in the body of Christ today. God has never removed the fivefold ministry from the church. Never. But it is withered. It is withered because there is not a blood flow to it. There's not life in it. And so we see that even though it is available, it is not operating. And so we need this giftings, these fivefold ministry, we need it to be operating and functioning in the church. And for that to do that, we have to allow the blood of Jesus to do what he does through the power of the finished work of Calvary and let that blood flow through our lives. Amen. If we're not careful, we'll develop ministries that are not impactful. We'll develop ministries that don't reach out. We'll develop ministries that don't know the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And we'll just come through the motions. And I believe that every ministry has been guilty of this at one time or another. Where that we've not allowed the blood to flow through and to bring about what God has desired for us. Amen. And there's nothing today that the blood did not pay for. There's nothing that the blood did not pay for. Jesus paid it all. I said Jesus paid it all. And so whatever you're worried about in your life that may seem that it is withered or it is dried up. Whatever is in your life that seems like that there is no life and, and it is never going to function the way that it, that it should. It may be a marriage. It may be a relationship. It may be finances. It may be uh, whatever the circumstances of your life are. And it seems to be withered up. You can take great 
uh, confidence today in knowing that the blood of Jesus is more than enough. And whenever the blood of Jesus begins to flow over that marriage, that relationship, that financial situation, whatever it is, it's going to bring resurrection life and power to that thing. And it will resurrect and it will live again. If you believe it, give him a little praise here this morning. Because the truth of it is, is there's nothing that the blood cannot restore. There's nothing that is too withered, too dried up, too crippled that the blood of, of God, Jesus Christ, cannot give life to it again. Amen. And so he told him, he said to extend his hand. It's the power of the blood of Jesus that whenever it is applied to our lives, we can extend ourselves further than we have ever been extended before. Amen. Now, the Bible teaches us, he said in, uh, I believe it's in First Timothy chapter 2, he tells us, there that we are to to lift our hands without wrath and without doubt and uh, i've preached this many times that we can stand by night in the house of the lord lift one hand without wrath and one without doubt and give god praise and glory for he is faithful even when our darkest season right but i believe today that if i could look at it in a different way i believe that in this day and hour that we are living in, there is a mandate of, from God that we lift up the fivefold ministry, that we stretch forth our hands representing the fivefold ministry, and it should be without wrath and without doubt that we know that the fivefold is for the kingdom of God today. Amen? The scripture says that God's wrath was uh, satisfied on the cross of Calvary. Amen. This wrath was satisfied on the cross of... God is no longer mad at nobody. Amen. And people run around every time there's a... What is it called? A lunar eclipse? Red moon, a blood moon, people running around, the sky is falling, you know, blasting the, all of these things. And whenever we have trouble and we have issues, uh, storms or whatever, we have people, oh, it's the judgment of God. God's getting them. I want, I've got news for you. If God wanted you, he'd have done got you. Amen. He don't need to send a storm. If he wants to take out Greg Parker, he don't have to send a storm and kill 100,000 other people. All he has to do is take his breath. And there's a lot of foolishness. And we've got to get past this. We got to get past this idea that God's out to get us. He, he was at the finished work of Calvary. Jesus, go to Isaiah and read it. Jesus took on everything that was punishable to us. He carried it to the cross. 
He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, and by his stripes I am healed. Everything, all the judgment that should have come on to me was Jesus took it to the cross. Glory to God. Amen. And he paid the price there so that I could have life and have it more abundantly. And so at the cross, he, Jesus satisfied, amen, once and for all, the punishment and the judgment. And now God loves us. Amen. Put your hand on your heart and say, God loves me. God loves me. Amen. And if we really start believing that, instead of whenever trouble comes, right? We have a little run of bad situations. We have a flat tire and we have a leaky roof and, and, and all that. And, and well, I just got to start praying harder. I'm just not doing enough. No, that's under the law. That's condemnation. That's the guilt of the law, right? But we know that I had a flat tire because there was a screw in the road. And I got a leaky roof because it's 15 years old. And it don't have nothing to do with God punishing me or getting back at me or trying to straighten me out. Amen. Whenever he tries to straighten us out, he don't do it with guilt and condemnation and trying to make us feel bad. It's the craziest thing I've ever heard. People say, well, you know, uh, God's trying to teach you something. How many of you ever went to school when you got sick? How many of you can learn something whenever your mind's raging with all of these other things that are going on in your life? Can you learn then? That's foolishness. God don't put all this stuff on you to teach you and to learn you. He don't, he don't have nothing to do with it. Amen. It's called life. But in life, if we learn that he loves us no matter what. Amen. And we understand that the bad things that come are not because God's trying to judge us or punish us or condemn us then we'll come to this understanding that, that, that it is by his stripes that we have already been healed. We can come to this understanding that it's the finished work of Calvary that causes us to, to be free. And, and what we need where there's witheredness, where there's places that are not functioning or working properly, instead of us looking at it and saying, oh, God is trying to kill us, we need to say, oh, we need to get the blood working in this thing. We need to apply the blood to this place that is lifeless, this place that is dead. We need to let the blood begin to flow over it. And as the blood flows over it, resurrection, life, and power will come to that situation. And we'll have a hope that we did not have before. Amen? Amen. And so the ministry of Christ is no longer withered. It's a position of the finished work of Calvary, of what Jesus has done. And so now we have the, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelist that is able to, to, set up, to bring correction, direction for the future of the kingdom of God. Amen?
Amen. So Jesus healed the withered hand. In Luke chapter 13, the Bible talks about a crooked uh, back being a disqualifier. In Luke, we see here that Jesus heals the woman who has been bowed over for how many years? 18. Amen. She can no longer stand straight up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and he said, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Amen. Then he put his hand on her and immediately she was straightened up. Amen. I believe that this woman is more than just a stranger that happened across Jesus's path that day, but I believe that it is a picture of Israel at that time. She is a picture of a Jewish, the Jewish people in, a, in the day that they were living in, and if we're not careful, she is a picture of that represents the church today as well. People may not be physically bent over, but if you look around with spiritual eyes, you will see people everywhere who are bent over, who their faces are toward the ground. They're disheartened, they're discouraged, they're disappointed, they're fearful. Right? And we see that they're bent over with the cares, the troubles, the disappointments, the failures of, of life. And we see it all around us today. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, have you changed your mind uh, uh, about this virus? I said, not one bit. I'm more convinced today than ever that it's a spirit. A spirit that is connected to fear. And it's covered this whole nation, if not this whole world. And it'll grab hold of you and it'll bend you over. And it'll try to get you to become fearful and afraid of its torment and its trouble. But I want you to know today that that's where this woman was. And she had been that way for 18 years. That's a long time to be bent over. That's a long time to struggle to get out of bed and not even be able to stand up straight. Amen. And that's where Israel was. They were bent over with the cares. They were bent over with the trouble of the day. They were bent over with their relationship or the lack of their relationship. And, and I believe that if we're not careful today, it can be a representation of even the church of today. Where that we are bent over and we can't look up. But David said, I looked unto the hills from whence cometh my help, and my help cometh from the Lord, who is maker of heaven and earth. Amen. And I don't, I don't doubt that this woman just, that she didn't just wake up one morning and, and found herself in this bent over state. I believe she probably woke up one morning and, and just felt tension in her back. Are you with me? And that tension was in her back and, and it lasted a little, good little while and all of a sudden it started bending her. 
And over these 18 years, she found herself going from tension in her back to being bent over. Not being able to look up. Not being able to see the stars and look at the heavens and see the goodness. But all she was doing is looking down. Can I tell you, whenever your, your view is only down, you're going to be discouraged. When you're only looking down, you're going to become disappointed. And after disappointment, then depression sets in. Amen. Because as long as you're looking down, you can never see what is forward. And people that are in depression and in discouraged and disappointed, they're not discouraged and disappointed and in depression over what they're looking toward. They're, they're de depressed over what they've been through. And as long as the enemy can keep you bent over looking at where you are and looking at what you've been through and never looking to the future for the joy that is set before him, he endured the cross, the Bible said. Whenever you cannot look forward, believing God and trusting God for the future, you're going to become overwhelmed, bent over and discouraged. And actually what you're going to be doing is being drawn to the earth. It is a spiritual representation. But we have to be able to get from that place of being drawn to the earth until we are up, uh, erected so that we can be drawn to the things that are in heaven. Amen. Because we are not looking to this earth to satisfy us. We're not looking to this world to answer our questions. But we're looking to the heavens. We're looking to the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. We're looking to him to be able to sustain us and to keep us in the day of our trouble. And if the enemy can keep you bent over, if he can keep you disappointed, if he can keep you depressed, then he can keep you in his grip. But I'm here today to tell you that it disqualified you in days past. But when Jesus came, he healed this woman of her infirmity. He healed her. Once again, the people sounded like a broken record. Should you have healed her on the Sabbath day? And Jesus says, if you have a sheep in the ditch on a Sunday, would you get it out? Amen. He said, how much more precious is a soul? Than this little sheep. Amen. I want to say this today. There are so many people living in the confines of man-made boundaries that need to be set free. They need to be loosed. They need to be watered. They need to be revived. They need to be refreshed. They need to know who they are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Because we are the righteousness of God. Amen. If we don't ever understand the hope that we have in that this new covenant has come to us, then we'll never be able to do what this last day church was called to do. 
If we don't understand the grace and the mercy of God, and if we do not understand that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and it's not of ourselves, but he has made us righteous, we've been baptized into it, amen? And if we do not understand that, then we'll never be able to stand in boldness and authority. Because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I thought he got to get a better amen than that. Maybe those online shouting amen. Amen. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have, have done things in our past that the enemy likes to bring back up. Has anybody got any skeletons? All right, the rest of you come afterwards. I'll pray for your lying spirit. We've all done something we aren't proud of. And how many know that whenever we get ready to take a step of faith to do something bold for God, that skeleton shows back up. Now, where do you think it came from? God isn't in heaven with a bunch of skeletons. And whenever you get ready to do a bold thing, he says, uh oh, Ooh. Remember when you did this? Remember when you had that thought? Remember when you did that? Remember when you, you gave up? Remember when you remember? No, that ain't God. He said something like this. He would cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. Never. Never, never to be remembered against us anymore. And there's a lot of people going to God saying, God, you know, I, I need you to forgive me. I, you know, back there 10 years ago and, and I, I know I've asked you before, but I just need to ask you again. And, and he's saying, what are you talking about? The God that knows all things chooses to forget. That's powerful. The God that knows all things chooses to forget. Not his covenant, not his will, not his desire, but my sins, my shortcomings, my failure, whatever you want to call it. But he chooses to forget it. So that I can come under his grace and under the canopy of grace, I can operate as if it never happened. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. So many people are bound by these tormenting things that have hindered them. And we've got a whole generation that, is, that, that don't understand the church and don't understand. They're missing from the church. And I'm going to talk about that some next week. But a whole generation's missing from the church because of all the guilt and the condemnation and, and the foolishness of the law that has been preached. Jesus said she was a daughter of Abraham. 
She has every right to be made whole. Why is that important? Because you have to know who you are. You are the seed of Abraham. If you are in Christ, then you are the seed of Abraham. And if a seed of Abraham, you are heir. Amen? To the promise. I don't have this in my notes, but I may preach it in a few months or sometime in a few weeks. But whenever, whenever you are heir to something, you don't die to get the heirship. Somebody else does. And I've got good news for you today. Jesus died. <laughs> Amen. And we have now inherited the promises of Jesus Christ. So that we are joint heirs with Christ. Glory to God. And we are seed, the seed of Abraham. We have a covenant that is better than that of Abraham. But we are the seed of Abraham. We are heirs according to the promise. Amen. You're an heir. You're a king. You're a priest unto God. Now, I don't know how many of you are tired of living under guilt and condemnation. But this is what Jesus said. Not the law, but what Jesus said. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. I'll tell you what, if, you, if that don't make you want to shout, then your shouter's broke. Amen. I'm free. And I know people don't like that kind of preaching because then they, they want to, especially people bent on the law because then they say, well, you know, just you're free and you just live however you want to. No. Grace is not the power, grace is not permission to sin, grace is the power over sin. Look all through the Old Testament, Moses, Aaron, all of the prophets and the priest, and you'll find under the law they still couldn't keep from sinning. They kept on falling back into sin. They kept on doing the wrong things. And it wasn't until the new covenant, a better covenant came. That you don't see that in the apostles and the prophets in the New Testament. Or the disciples and the apostles. How is it? It's because they got a better covenant. Amen. Grace isn't for me to say, well, I can sin and be grace. No, that's foolishness. Grace is power that I don't have to sin. Glory to God. I'm almost done. I don't know what time it is. But it's raining still, so you ain't got nowhere to go. Everywhere I've been this morning's flooded. Imagine, imagine under 
the old covenant. Anybody that brought an animal for a sacrifice, the priest had to inspect it. And so imagine this, imagine the priest, the sinner, and the lamb. I know that sounds like the beginning of a joke, but it's not. <laughs> the priest, the sinner, and the lamb. The sinner brings the sacrifice, right? He brings the sacrifice for his sins. He brings that, and the priest's obligation is to inspect the sacrifice to ensure that there's no blemishes, there's no spots, <laughs> there's no broken bones, there's nothing that can be uh, wrong with the sacrifice. But this is what I want you to get. Never at any time or any situation is the sinner inspected. Only the sacrifice. The priest only ever inspects the sacrifice of our praise. Only your sacrifice, Jesus Christ, is the perfect lamb. So we don't have to worry about that. Come on. But it is our sacrifice of praise. That we bring unto God now. Amen. And it's not us that's being inspected. It's our sacrifice that is being inspected. Are we giving it with pure hearts? Are we giving him our everything? Are we giving him our all? Are we surrendering to his lordship? And as we surrender to him, his will, his way, his wants, and his desires. Amen. It's more than enough. It's more than enough. At the cross of Calvary, your sins were transferred. <laughs> and that's good news. We have a lamb without blemish. We have a lamb without spot. And all you have to do to identify with it is confess. Amen. Your sins. Lay them upon the altar. Give and accept the Lord's mercy and grace over our life. And as we accept that, Greg, and not forgiveness and that mercy and that grace, our sins are transferred to the Lamb. And the Lamb has carried it to the cross. And now we are free from sin and condemnation. Amen. And me, Brian Matthews, who was once disqualified, have made, been made qualified through the blood of Jesus Christ. Where that now I stand as a king and a priest in the earth and declare the goodness of God. Glory to God. That's who I am. That's who you are. You say, well, I don't know about that, Pastor. You know, I, you don't understand me. You don't know. Yeah, I don't have to know you. That's who you are. How do you know? Because that's who Jesus said you are. It's not up for question. It's not up for debate. All you have to do is accept it. Amen. Accept it. 
Accept that you are the redeemed. Accept that you are purchased by his blood. Accept that you have been forgiven totally 100%. And there is no more no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I am the beloved of God. That which was paralyzed. That which was withered. And now the blood of Jesus flows through it. And now it has resurrection power. It has life. It has hope. It has victory. <sighs> Glory to God. I'm going to have to watch. I'll start preaching myself happy and hollering. I don't need to do that today. But how many know God's good? I don't know if you got it or not. Come on.